Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about beer, we talk about the vinyl we've picked up, uh, other vinyl talks, we talk about new music and other happenings in the music world. Uh, My name is Tyler, way out there, hundreds of miles away, way out there in the ether is Jeff. Uh, Go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Thank you all for listening, and uh, you know, let's just get into it. Let's, yeah, good night, yeah. Um, let's get into it with our fearless beer review, Jeff. What do you got this week? So, because we don't like to waste time. So, so, so I got so. a uh, I got a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Do you really? Yeah. I after the teleconference that we had, you were drinking one, and <laughs> for whatever reason, I was I was just like, shit, dude, I really want one of those now, and I like literally went out an hour later and bought bought a six pack. <laughs> That's so great. I, it's been, I don't even remember the last time I had one of these. I mean, it's been years. It's probably, yeah, it's probably been like when I was out there last and I, I ended up getting a six pack of it. Probably. And then you probably like <laughs> drank five and left one and then I drank it at some point. But I don't remember the last time I had a pale ale. I know that's that to take yeah. that back because I, I, I do have piranha from BJ's at least like once a okay, month. Okay, yeah. But besides that, that's a good pale ale. Besides that, I don't, I don't have no fucking idea. But damn, dude, this just sounded like it looks the way you were drinking it, and like, like the the beads of of, of mist were cut or whatever the condensation was rolling down it. God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! It just it, looked, it was it was delicious. It looked very refreshing, and and our teleconference I was doing from my garage. My garage was is getting a little toasty, and so I, I was I was hot at the time, and I was just I just thought it looked really good. So yeah, I went out and bought a bought a sixer, and I got I got another one for tonight. Ooh, okay, the teleconference. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Sure, professional. All right. Uh, so I actually have the same exact beer. Oh, I'm drinking damn, the same girl. exact beer. What? Yeah. That's so, that's super weird. When you said that, I thought you were like I thought I told you right beforehand that I was drinking this. That totally threw me off guard. But no, yeah, no, I'm I'm drinking it. I have a couple, I have a few left. And uh, and I just I didn't have time to go out and buy more beer, so I uh, just have this. Have some buddies as a backup, so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good night. And um, yeah, I got mine poured. Are you, are you ready to get going? No, I'm drinking it straight from the bottle, baby. Oh, dude, you're getting wild, like a baby. Okay, so here we go. Then let's tink. Oh damn. Mm. Mm. Wow. Mm. Sometimes you just need to go with the classics. Yeah. But last time you were complaining about it. I can't. Maybe like a year ago, you're like, no, that's shit beer. I can't believe you still drink that. It tastes like garbage. Why do you do this? Are you sure it was this and not like the torpedo? Because the torpedo I can't stand. No, it was definitely this one. It was definitely this one. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Hey, man. Yeah. You were were bitching. Hey, man. Hey, man. (laughs) My my taste changed, you know. I, I, I clearly, yeah. I, as, as I mature, my taste mature with me. So, and hopefully, they start, you know, 
you know, getting better, you know. No, this will, this will satisfy my paleo craving until my next BJ's um, outing. But until then, okay. I mean, the six-pack will be gone probably by tonight. And then back to stouts, <laughs> baby. Back to Coors Lights with Lions. Back to oh. B2Ls and stouts. That is gross. Um, so, yeah, this is a Sierra Nevada brewery. Sierra Nevada, California. Um, great brewery. They really have done nothing that bad. They've never really put out anything that bad. And uh, five point six percent ABV. It's a solid beer. So um, we have a three point rating system where three is a perfect beer, two is a good beer you're going to continue to drink, one is a bad beer but you should give it a try, and zero is a drain pour. So what are you going to give your Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Jeff? Well, they're not they're not from Sierra Nevada, California. They're they're based out of Chico. That's the same fucking thing. Well, it's right near each other. Well. That's fine. Chico's, you know what I mean. But uh, I, I'm going to do, I mean, just because I'm in the mood for it, I'm going to do 2.5. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty, it's pretty refreshing. This is, uh, this, this is one of the, the first, I'm sure it's probably the same for everybody, but this is a very, this is a very good like intro to the craft industry. When you, when you start to get into like beer, you know, when you're like a teenager, when you're like 12, mm-hmm. 13, and you start drinking a lot of like drink that young. <laughs> no, but like like for real, for real, for real, for real, for real, for real, for real. You kind of go from like the party slamming down like Mickey's and shit, and then you go to the Coors Light beer pong, and then you think like I'm gonna get crazy. I'm gonna order like a shock top or a blue moon. And you think you're fancy, and then one day you try like a Guinness, and you're like, holy fuck, that's not as bad as I thought it was. And then maybe you do like a Sam Adams Boston Lager. And then I feel That's like the, the next thing you do would be like a Sierra Nevada pale ale. And then from then on, it's just, it's, the world is your oyster. You're addicted. Yeah. Right? I feel like it's, it's the true, the true uh, transition beer into, like you said, craft beer. It's, it gets everybody, I feel like this is the one that gets everybody into IPAs. Because yeah. it is the closest thing to an IPA and it's, and it's that accessible, even though it is a craft beer, it's almost distributed like a big beer, which is really cool too, which I, I I don't know. I think I think that's rad, and you can find it fucking almost anywhere. Well, I and, think uh, I think besides go-to. besides Sam Adams, I think Sierra Nevada is like the biggest craft brew bur- brewery, craft brew brewery, brewery. in the brewery. U.S. Yeah, it sounds about right. Maybe Stone, either Sierra Nevada or Stone, which is also kind of. I mean, that's a whole different topic anyway. Because like, how the fuck can Sam Adams still be considered craft? Like, that's just that's a little <laughs> silly. But whatever. I know they're enormous. But they've been around, I think, just as long as Sierra Nevada, too. I think oh. they both started in the 80s. They got a bunch of money to to rewrite whatever unwritten laws pertain to being a craft brewery. So that's why they're <laughs> still a craft brewery. The whole thing is so silly. It's so silly. That is true. But All right. So you gave yours a 2.5. Um, this is this is a great beer for me. I, like I said, it's a, it's a go-to one. It's so easily accessible, so... It's solid. It's a solid taste. Perfect amount of hops, malt. Perfect amount of malt, and uh, so I, I don't do this often, but oh I'm gonna have to give this a perfect three out of three. Perfect three out of three for me, with the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and the label's cool too. It's the green label with the, the forest and. It's very right. calming. Yeah. Very calming. It yeah. adds to the freshness of the beer. Somehow. It does. It does. It does. But damn, dude, I, that torpedo's nasty. I like see. I like Don't the care. torpedo a lot, but more than like one or two, 
it's too much. Like it's you can't have a lot of torpedo because that's super hoppy, super super hoppy. But still good, still so good. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so you good with the beer? Yeah. yeah. Okay, beer's good. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, the vinyl stuffs, right? Yeah. So we're gonna just kind of talk about what we got, what we got in our backlog, what we listened to. And that leads into our songs of the week. So, what do you got, so Jeff, fun. for this week? So, I'm 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 doing a new thing now. I, I okay. I've I've been kind of doing this, but only with with in a different format. So so now what I do is when I when I buy a record, I am going to listen to it twice before one time, and then I'm going to put it away, and then I'm going to re-listen to it like in rotation, kind of. You know what I mean? Like okay. my backlog, and then it, I'm I'm using my hands a lot. Nobody knows the fuck I'm doing with my hands. <laughs> Basically, I'm gonna listen to Even each record each record twice before I talk about it on the pod, and then before I file it away. Sometimes I would just listen to one once because if I've heard it before, like I know it's fucking good, and I'll put it away and then listen to it weeks, months later, whatever. But now, before I even before I even bring it up on the pod, I'm gonna listen to it twice. Okay, All and right. that stemmed from because I bought a record lot this week for it was 700 records and uh i I bought all of them of course because that makes sense and i kept i I originally kept about 40 i pulled 40 out i said i'm gonna keep these and then from that 40 as i was listening listening to them i whittled it down to essentially now i have about 25 that i'm gonna keep which is still kind of a lot but yeah it's a lot of good stuff but as i was listening to these again I was like, I don't, I, I'm not gonna fucking. I don't want this. I, I'm not gonna listen to this. And so then I would purge it. I would get rid of it. So that's why I'm doing like this, this two listen thing to make sure that my my collection is 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 solid. Is stuff that I want. That's a good. That's a good way of doing it. That really is. So you so can yeah. purge it all at once. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. So that way it doesn't sit there, and then I'm like I'm flipping through my collection. Like, why the fuck do I still have Foreigner here? So with <laughs> yeah, with with my with my two listen system, Foreigner never would have made it past you know quality control. They never would have made it in there. So, <laughs> so yeah. So this week I only have six things, including my my album of the week or my song of the week. Okay, look at you go. Yeah, I think it's the first time you've had such a short list. Yeah, first time um, in a long time, I should say. It's, I mean, my 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 second listen through backlogs pretty high. There's there's a lot. There's like twenty five. And some of these are old, so whatever. Uh, first thing is Pennywise, the 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 comp, oh, yes. the 1988 thing that uh, you got for me, and then you listened to it, and then brought it over, and then we listened to it again, and then I listened to it again. Um, I didn't need to listen to this twice because I love this, but That's this so was good. this was the first one of my new format, so I had to. This was like the christening. I was like, okay, cool. I'm I'm totally down to start my new my new vinyl life with uh, Pennywise, mm-hmm. and this is a. This is a combo of the first two EPs from from 1989, um, Word from the Wise and and fucking when Wild Card. And mm. uh, what's what's cool about this? What's notable about this is this is, doesn't sound like Pennywise. It's not the Pennywise that we know. The, the uh, what's his name? Jim Lind Lindbergh Lindemann. Yes. Till Lindemann. <laughs> he <laughs> he doesn't sound like he does. Everything else after this, like from their fucking next album on, they have their pen. They had like the Pennywise sound for good or bad, whatever. Yeah. It is their sound and it is very unique. Very true. 
but this is not not like that at all. There's a little bit there's a, there's hints here and there, but this is way more straightforward punk, and it's not only is it really good, but it's also really interesting to hear and and see where they came from. I think it's I think it's fantastic too. I listened to it when I got it for you. I listened to it by myself, and then I listened to it when I was with you out there. And it it's I think it's honestly better than all their other records. Okay, I like this relax, style. Relax. I like that. I like that style a lot more than what they started doing. Just the way she goes. I mean, the way she goes. I guess that's wrong, but I guess okay, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the first one. Um, the next one I have here. I got it last week, but then, you know, double listen rotation. So I got two Blue Oyster Cult records. I, I've, I've had their first live album for a while, and that came out after their second album. And I've had their, their first live one for a while, and I liked it, and it was cool. And this was all before um, Don't Fear the Reaper. Mm-hmm. So this is all like, you know, like early 70s. And I picked up. I picked up their first album, the self-titled Blue Oyster Cult, for like six bucks somewhere because I heard one song on like a, a weekly Spotify playlist. And I was like, holy shit, this is really good. Who is this? And it was Blue Oyster Cult. So I picked it up, loved it. And then I bought their second album from local record store for like $12. And like it's called Tyranny and Mutation. And like this is like the first album is really good. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a good intro to the band. There's a lot of heavy, chunky bass lines. There's some really metal sounding riffage in there, like my type of metal. And I'll get into that yeah. when I get into Iron Maiden a little bit later. But okay. just good fucking like hard rock metal stuff. And then their second album, Tyranny Mutation, like, dude, this just like this one blew my mind. I was so impressed by this. It's like they doubled down on the heaviness and then added a lot of psychedelic stuff. It was a fucking damn near hmm. perfect album. I was I was just blown away. I was so happy. Nice. So okay. check it out, buddy boy. <laughs> I'm down to get more into it. I'm totally down to get more into it. Dude, and the cover is so cool. Me. It's just like all black and white with a little bit of like hot pink. Right up my alley. Love that okay. shit. All right. All right. And then, uh, then moving, going into the more metal stuff, um, Iron Maiden, Power Slave. This is one. Um, Iron Maiden. I hate that uh, cover, though. I, I love that. It's fucking cool. I hate that. That's like, ah, oh, dude, that's the one of the few covers of theirs that I just don't like. It's got like this, like, uh, I don't know, like this fucking, like the mummy, Brendan, I can see Brendan Fraser on the cover of it too, like fighting <laughs> mummies and shit. <laughs> it's very Egyptian, the pyramids and the other Egyptian stuff. I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is, this is their fifth album from 84. Iron Maiden's been a band that I just never got into because of like three songs that I don't like. And so I just never dove in and, whatever for whatever that's worth and i will say that i don't think i will ever get behind uh bruce dickinson's vocals or anything that sounds like that style i just don't like it i don't i will never like it but yeah everything else on this album was fucking phenomenal this is exactly what i want from metal of this era it was absolutely perfect i could take his vocals out entirely and just listen to the entire album and there's an instrumental track on this too so i was super stoked this is a fantastic album (laughs) Have you heard Iron Maiden without Dickinson? No. They've made they well they they had their original singer did two records. I think so their first two records are with a different singer and then Dickinson left like in the early 90s or late 80s and then there was another guy that came in and did a couple of records as well before Dickinson came back. So I think there's like maybe four maybe five records without him. Is it similar in that style of how he sings? No, it's not as um 
it's not as dramatic. It's not nearly as dramatic. It's a little bit, it's a little bit like um, angrier or just like rough. It's just not nearly as clean as Dickinson is. It's good. It's definitely good. It's kind of weird too because some of like the, I guess like speed metal stuff that I like, mm-hmm. I like that type of vocals in that music. I dig yeah, it. Yeah, you like Sonata Arctica, Arctica, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense to me. Still does not make any sense <laughs> to I me. But I don't like it. I don't like it everywhere else. That's so bizarre. So strange. God, that band's but whatever. Ben's mm. mm. not, I mean, they're good, but they're not like. No, they're they're better. They're they're better than you think, or they're better than whatever you're about to dismiss them as. <laughs> <laughs> debatable, definitely debatable. Uh, the next one I got is uh, the eighth album by this English band, Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Never say die. Oh, Goonies never say die. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, true. I wonder if Goonies got that from the Sabbath album. Mm, doubt it. Doubt it. That'd be cool. It's not like it's a it's a unique saying, you know. No, oh, you know, never know. But no, I I I understand why people shit on this. Like, if you're expecting an entire like early Sabbath experience, it's it's not here. There are mm-hmm. there are underlying like themes and sounds that are early Sabbath. There are the heavy metal stuff, but but they're also getting a little bit more traditional hard rock and even kind of poppy at times. But yeah. It's still really good, man. There are some really fucking damn catchy songs in here, like the like we talked about the title track. Like, holy shit! Oh, it's what it's top right five off Sabbath, the bat. Right? I just yeah, top five Sabbath. I could not believe it. I could not believe that halfway through that song, I was like humming the tune to it, and I was like, wow, this is really fucking catchy, like <laughs> Iron Man catchy status. It was yeah. that good. Oh, it's such a catchy hook. That vocal, that vocal hook is so catchy. I love it, and just the the guitars too. It's I, everything about that. It, it's a beat. It's poppy, but it still has that that rough edge that Sabbath is known for. It's great. I love that. I love that that song. That album too is is really great. There's just like this is a good a good example of of. I mean, I'm not like a huge Sabbath man, and I'm getting into them more and more. But this is a good example of a band that is like veering away from their iconic sound, but still keeping yeah. like remnants of it, but still like you know keeping up with the times, and then. Like th- like this album, for instance, coming out late seventies, you know, almost in the eighties, and getting more melody focused, but still keeping mm-hmm. their edge, and that's that's a that's like a perfect combination there, and they pull it off absolutely flawlessly. Yeah, totally agree, and it's a shame that people really disregard that record when they. It's just people are just so stuck in their own ways, and it's frustrating. It's really frustrating because I mean, obviously, almost everything that they've done in the Aussie era has been fantastic. And I don't know. I just don't know why people criticize it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. People are idiots. Well, I mean, mad. then you get bands that do the same thing kind of like over and over and over, record after record. And we'll get into that band yeah. later. And people love it. So I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that was but, Sab- but Sabbath did like that perfect thing. Like they, they, they slowly evolved. It wasn't like a jump from, you know, it wasn't like AFI jumping from The Art of Drowning to Sing the Sorrow. And you know, that that was a big jump, and it was really weird and kind of gross. And yeah, Black Sabbath just had that perfect evolution up until Ozzy left. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
That's 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 a so big one that we probably should re-go, redo, and or not because we've already done one, but we should redo another Sabbath album. Really get into it. Oh, they made AFI. Yeah, well, actually, remember the first album we did in the new format was Sabbath was Paranoid. We did Paranoid. Yeah, that was the very that was that was the episode that made us realize, oh wow, we're actually Lyricmen now. So let's change the entire format of the show. Delete every episode from from before that, <laughs> and that's what we did. So that's true. That was crazy. That's crazy. That was the album that changed us. Changed <clears throat> pod. You know, sometimes, cool. sometimes, sometimes things just click. Sometimes things just happen, and and you don't know when, you don't know where, you don't know why. It it's is true, what it is. But we know when it happened. It um, is what it is. Okay. No, it's not. Don't don't do that. Don't do. Yeah, you, you even got Skip doing that. When he was on the pod, he was doing that shit. Hey, God damn. It is what it is. Live, laugh, <laughs> love, and hope. Or love. Uh, what Last was it? Thing? Life, life, love, and hope. What That was the name of that bad record. Baston. Oh, yeah, from Boston. Oh, my God. That yeah. was so terrible. <laughs> oh, barf. Last thing I got here um, is, is this completes my studio collection of this band. I got another Grand Funk album. Fucking finally. Yeah. What do you got, like 14 now? They only have 13. Oh, only 13, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they got, the, the, the last one I needed was Grand Funk Lives. This is their 12th out of 13 from 1981. Um, this was five years after their last one, and then their next one was a couple years after this, and that was their last one. But, um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is typical Grand 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 Punk. Grand Punk. That'd be a cool, like, grand, like a punk grand funk cover band, grand punk. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> That'd be cool if it was pulled off well, for sure. This is a this is typical grand funk. It's 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 missing the founding bassist Mel Shocker and then Craig Frost, who wasn't a founding member, but he kind of weaned himself into being a, 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 a full time member. He's a keyboardist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's missing both of them. So it's not like Don Brewer, the drummer's on it, and then obviously uh, Mike Farner's on it. But it's 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 good. It's good. It's not their best, not their worst, but it's 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 good bluesy hard rock grand funk. That's the that's the way you like it. That's the grand funk you like. Yeah, I I mean this is this is a <laughs> band that really have written like a handful of songs and kind of just do them differently a little bit every time. So yeah, they just play really loud and really fun upbeat songs. Yeah, that's another thing too with this with this record because I what I I played something before this, and I had it in an appropriate volume, because I don't need to blast my music at all times. So I had it in an appropriate volume, <laughs> and I put this one on, and it was like really fucking loud. I turned it down. I was like, God damn, dude! So they're still making very very loud records, which is awesome. I dig that. that Respect awesome. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm only missing. They have four live records. I have two of them. Both are super easy to get. But the other two live records, they have a live in Bosnia. And then they have this. So weird. They have this 2014 release of their 1971 tour. And it was only pressed like one time on vinyl. And of course, it's like fucking $80. So. That's fucked. <laughs> that's, that's probably not going to happen for a while unless I see it in the wild and I can like negotiate a deal. Because who the fuck is really going to buy a live Grand Funk record that they've never seen? You know? Yeah, or it might be in like some bin that you end up buying, like a you know hundred record bin that you buy. Yeah, I come across it. That was that was where Grand Funk lives was came from was was uh, the bin I just bought. 
So it was what the, the bin that I just bought the the seven hundred record uh, bin that yeah. I just bought the the Grand Funk lives came from that bin. Oh, came from that one. Okay. Yeah, I was flipping through it and I saw like you got to be fucking shitting me. And it was the first record I listened to. <laughs> <laughs> you my ass? I, I was just so excited, dude. I was just so fucking stoked. When it, they were a band too that that we only discovered because we got it from like, or you got it at least from like a dollar bin or something, right? Yeah, I never would listen to Grand Funk. They they yeah, were they were here. the butt of a joke on, on a Simpsons episode, and that's all I've ever known them as. I never would have listened to Grand Funk until you listened to them. You loved them. You loved them enough to even want to do them on the podcast you know very shortly after you discovered them which is pretty remarkable that doesn't that really does not happen often yeah but it's cool it was it was a good episode too and i mean like they're they're not even like historically like elite you know they're just like no. really really good b team <laughs> mm-hmm. the best of the b teams for sure like we were talking about they through and through yeah damn what a good band good stuff Okay, really good band. so that leads me to my weekly pick. My weekly pick, you know. This is a weird one. This it, is a, truly a weird one. I don't, so I don't, I don't like 80s music almost at all. Like pretty much anything from the 80s, even rock based, even like hip hop stuff. I'm not really too keen on the 80s. It's, it's a novelty for me. It's fun. Um, 80s just a, I was, we were born in the 80s too. 80s just sucked for everything, the, the world. And the 80s just to be erased from existence except for, us because then we couldn't do the pod um it's <laughs> a good point but good point. but one song that i really really like from the 80s is everybody wants to rule the world rule the world that's hard to say mm-hmm. everybody wants to rule the world by tears for fears and <laughs> that is rule the world right say it right now to everybody wants to rule the world ah uh, you fucking try real hard I did try really, really concentrated. <laughs> <laughs> so like like Tears for Fears, they they do uh, Mad World, right? Which which was on their first album, and that's that's a cool song, whatever I guess. Mm-hmm. And then the song Shout, which is from this album that that my song of the week is from, that's, that's a cool I song. I didn't know that was Tears for Fears. Shout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I know the song. I just so I didn't know that was Tears for Fears. That was really good. <laughs> I thought it was like Depeche Mode or something. I don't know. Oh, dude, Depeche Mode. Blah. So yeah, like yeah. just I, I just don't like this style of music. I think it's just really really stupid. And but I did buy like some Culture Club records because I I think those are enjoyable. Yeah, you're so weird. I don't you're think they're so I don't think they're weird, I don't think they're good. I think they're enjoyable. So weird. <laughs> In like a, all the of all the eighties like new wave bands to buy you go with culture club it's dude so I, th- I think besides besides everybody wants to rule the world i think I, i'll tumble for you by culture club is like one of the best it's it's a it's kind of like a b-team sleeper but it's better okay. than all of the all of the bigger hits by culture club like karma chameleon which is still a good song i like that song yeah it's not it's okay it's not bad oh it's so fucking catchy that's what's irritating about these 80s songs it's just so catchy and it irritates me but anyway yeah <laughs> yeah, this is this. Uh, so the, the 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 band's Tears for Fears. The album's called Songs from the Big Chair. It's their second album, nineteen eighty five. Um, I got this from the the bulk lot, and I was like, oh cool. I've been looking for a copy of this. I don't want to pay for this. Be I if I saw this for like three dollars, I'd probably pick it up. But I don't mm-hmm. want to pay for it just because I only know two point five songs. Like I know Shout mm-hmm. and Everybody Wants to Rule the World. I know those very well. But then, like the song, um, I think it's "I Believe" or "Head Over Heels." One of those, you know the riff. Like when you hear the music, you fucking know it. 
Okay. So I was listening to this actually like just last night for the second time before I filed it away. And the last song came on, it's called Listen. And I was, I don't know what happened last night. Maybe I was just tired or something, but I, I was just like entranced by the song and it just, it really got me. And I was, I was just like, damn, these guys are like really, really good, really deep, really like cool prog pop, like fucking rad stuff. And I was just captivated. I could not like, dude, I was just staring at like a blank wall. I was sloning. I was just, Complete, my mind it was it was fucking weird i haven't i haven't had this type of like experience in a while and this is very bizarre for me i was sloning <laughs> that's so good i did you listen did you listen to this song today no i will i i put it i think i put this up here last night or today oh okay i think so i put it up here last night today? no yeah i listened I mean, to today i listened to the album today oh you did oh you did okay yeah because i i'm i was I thought this was a joke when you put it on there. No, dude, this song I mean, is it, it, fucking fantastic. All right, well let's uh, let, let's listen to the song "Listen" from Tears for Fears. Here we go. Thank you. 
There you go. Listen from Tears for Fears. I played a little bit longer than I normally do just because, you know, you had to get, I don't know. It's a very slow song. Very slow building song. So (laughs) it's not not bad. It's just, it's so fucking 80s. I just, I don't, I still don't understand why you, why this one just, you're so hooked to it. I I don't know. I mean, this is. Like I was playing on my phone right now too. I queued it up and I, I got lost, dude. I don't even know what to say. I, I'm, <laughs> you were sloning it. I did again. It's just it's that, <laughs> dude. It's that riff, that and then it goes into their it's, vocal part and it, like it's totally different than the riffage. And then it comes back in and throws that that melody back in. It's just a really. It's like seven minutes long too, man. It's just a really cool journey. <laughs> Um, Probably the longest song on the record, I bet. Yeah, oh, for sure it is. I mean, most of the songs are like six <laughs> minutes, five minutes, but there's only eight songs on the record, and it's like an hour long. You make me listen to the longest and slowest song on the the entire record. Uh, dude, trust trust when I say that this this one. I like again. I haven't been this surprised. Maybe just because I had such low expectations anyway. Yeah, because shout's fun. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a fun song. And then everybody wants to rule the world. That's a good. I think that's a fantastic eighty song. But mm-hmm. I had like little to no expectations for the rest of these tracks. And when this came on, whew, damn! I <laughs> I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to think of like the last time something wowed me like this. Like truly, just like left me speechless. <laughs> that's, uh, I I can't believe it. I just I just I don't understand it. But okay, I mean, if you if you dig it and you can slone out to it, then good for you. I'm I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I never even realized too this this band, like if you want to call them a band, this band is just like two guys. It's just two dudes, and I mean they have other people play various instruments at various times, but overall it's just two guys. And yeah, like that's cool. It's like uh, it's like Savage Garden. It's like the Savage Garden of the '80s, right? Except these, I mean, Tears of Fears were good. But. <laughs> You haven't even listened to that Savage Garden record. Dude, we're not. That, that's the one you want to do, right? Yeah, that's the one I want to do. We're yeah. not doing that fucking record. My God. We're going to do it eventually. I'm, I, I'm, I will overrule you. I will overrule you one day. I'm not going to tell you when, but I will overrule you. Ugh. And we're going to do that record. Barf. It's the way she goes. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I don't know what I, was, is this, I, is, know what I was going to say. Is this song enough? Like, if you saw this album out there from the wild for ten bucks, would you buy it? No, no. Five bucks? Would you buy it? A dollar. A dollar. A dollar. Okay, come on, guy. A dollar. Because I don't. I don't like this. I. I don't really like the style of music. I like those two songs, "Shout" and uh, "Everybody Will, will Rule the World." But outside of that, I mean, I haven't heard the rest of the songs except for "Listen," and "Listen" isn't enough to hook me. So it's just maybe $2 if I'm feeling, you know, generous that day, but no, I'm not going to not going to spend money on it. Preferably free, but um if not a dollar, you know. Mine was free, so I'm, I can't complain too much. Exactly. But had you paid $10 for it, that would have been a different story. I would never have paid $10 for this. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. No, knowing now what "listen" sounds like, I, if it was a clean copy, I'd pay ten dollars for this. But prior to that, nah. Because <laughs> even my culture clubs, I got for like fucking, like I think I got one for three dollars, and then the other one was free. Actually, so strange, so strange. 
All right. All right. That's it. Um, that's it. So no more on uh, Tears for Fears? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, jumping into mine then. Uh, I have a few more than you, but I mean, I'm not going to go extensively into every single one. There we go. Um, start with Foo Fighters, their album In Your Honor. Okay. I picked this one up from Glasshouse a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is... This is my favorite record of theirs. This is the only one I'll ever get on vinyl. And I'm glad I got it. It was, I mean, it was fairly cheap for a brand new copy. It's a double album, which is even better. Um, came out in 2005, fifth album, like I said. Uh, the first the first part of the album, so technically the first album, is all rock-based, heavier rock-based. And then the second album is all acoustic, very soft, very, very soft. And uh, and I think that's really cool. And the, just I have so much nostalgia attached to this record because it came out... It came out like maybe three weeks or a month before we graduated high school. So I just remember listening to this record just with, with, with like Chris and I used to listen to this record all the time in his truck and we just drive around like we just drive around all night just listening to music. And this is one of the records that we would just listen to all the time. Go to Black Star Canyon and Mm. it it was, I don't know, just just goof off, be stupid 18 year old kids and just have a good time and yeah, so this 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 album holds a ton of nostalgia for me. But overall, the the I prefer the rock part of the record much more than the acoustic part. But and and it's it's like also one of their more aggressive records, I guess you could say, if you even want to call them aggressive. <laughs> but it, it's um, it's heavier, it's faster, and I really dig it. I really really like what, this record. So, were there what other songs on here besides the best of you? Is uh, like. There were no other like huge hits off of this one. Like DOA was another one. Um, Someone getting the best, the best, the best had that had that song not been play overplayed, it's actually a really good song. I like the song. I think it's cool. Like that, the build up in that song is really good, but it's so overplayed. <laughs> but the way the way the whole album like opens up too, it's just this, just this, just this uh, one guitar chord just being strummed super fast for like a minute. And then Dave Grohl's just screaming over the that one riff, and then the drums come in super hard. Just just this drum roll, just this constant drum roll for about the first like minute and a half, two minutes of the song, and then everything stops, just dead silent. And then Dave Dave Grohl just like screams his high pitched scream, and then it just goes, goes into this super fast, heavy, hard song, and it just goes crazy. Like it's it's like such a rad way to start out a record, and for the Foo Fighters to do it, it makes it even cooler because they never do shit like that. But it's a it's a solid one, so recommend it for anybody who you know really wants to just I don't know listen to something a little bit more outside of the box for the band. This is a good one. Um, then we got this one I got from you actually. This is a uh, Turnstile, their uh, their first guys, record. Fucking stole from me. <laughs> Nonstop feeling <laughs> came out in, in 2015. We actually did this on the pod back in the old format. And yeah, I traded you a few things for this record, Jedi Mind Tricks. He traded me trash, everybody. Okay. No, I traded he gave you me like fucking DJ Jazzy Jeff, uh, Roger Whitaker, Lawrence Welk. <laughs> I traded you a bass amp. Um, I traded you a DJ Jazzy Jeff record, and I think another record. And then I got these two, and a, I don't remember what else. I don't. I forgot what was in the trade. But this is one of them, and you know, it's a great fucking record. Great debut record from a great hardcore band. Just they're so they're so unique in their sound. Love this band. Love this record. It's so, so. it's so weird how they can be because like right off the bat, it's just 
this feeling is what we want. And like it drops right into that fucking. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then they also have that song, uh, fucking the Bayou blue song. Blue for you? Or Blue for, oh, yeah. Blue, is it, yeah. Is it Blue or, or Blue? Bu- no, it's Blue Wait, Bayou. Blue for oh, you? no, it's blue, it blue. Oh, Blue. It's not Blue Bayou, like Born in the Bayou. It's Blue by it's me, B-Y- Blue by you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then they also have that song on there, and it's so fucking different and so soft and so like pop rock, but still really fast. Yeah, it's really good. And then, arguably, their their heaviest song is on here, "Out of Rage," where it just it kind of like slowly kind of trudges along with just the bass, drums, and vocals, and then it just that 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 quick build up, and then the guitars come in, and he just fucking goes for it, screaming. Best song they have, "Out of Rage." Forget about it. It's so good. <laughs> And it's a cool color. Like it's a. It's supposed to be like. Yeah, it's like a beer, beer color, right? but it looks like piss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like pee. Yeah, you could definitely see through it. Yeah, it does look like pee. <laughs> <laughs> I should put it next to my uh, my Vandals record, "Live Fast Diarrhea." So you got pee and poop. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. It'd be good. Uh, good. And then so. Yeah, I got that one. Uh, this next one I picked up from Glasshouse a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's $5, cheapest I've ever seen it. I've never paid more than $5 for it, and that's uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. I I was very surprised for it, for it being $5. Um, the only thing that was wrong with it was it had somebody's name written on the, the jacket. Other than that, it played flawlessly. No mm. skips, no loops, barely any surface noise. I mean, it sounded great, and I mean, there are a couple bad songs on the record, especially the Paul McCartney one. But I mean, the bangers. Why are do you bangers. hate that song? That song is good. That song is terrible. It's so embarrassing. Oh, it's so embarrassing. And when the, when that. they talk to each other at the end, oh, dude, it, it's so hard to listen to sometimes. <laughs> it's like embarrassing. Like I, I wanted to like turn it off because my windows were open. So I know people in the street could have heard it, and I just I was really embarrassed listening to it. It's terrible. Sexy time. Uh, this, <laughs> this next one uh, is the concert for blank concert for Bangladesh. Mm. This one I got from you for dirt cheap, and uh, it's a three LP live concert. Um, yeah, this is it was really good. Starts out with Ravi Shankar, and then it's kind of like an all star thing, kind of going through the entire record. Obviously. Um, George Harrison does most of it, but he had like Clapton there. He had Bob Dylan there playing a few songs and the whole story behind it. I thought was really fascinating. I thought it was really interesting. You didn't, you you ended up not reading anything about it, right? I have the booklet. Like there's, it comes with a booklet and explains, I mean, not just like the concert aspect, but also like the, the war, the, the Bangladesh war or whatever that was called. It explains all of that, why they're doing it, where the money goes. Like it's like a 15, Mm -hmm. 20 page booklet. And it's like, I read the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. See, mine didn't come with a booklet, but I mean, I, I read about it and you know, that, that whole, all that stuff that happened, you know, with India and Pakistan and, and Bangladesh and all the all the people that were killed during that time and nobody was paying attention to it until Harrison came along um, at, from the advice of uh, Ravi Shankar saying, you know, we need to, you know, bring this up to the world because, you know, thousands of people are dying every day because of what's going on, the famine and just it was it was terrible reading about it. it was fucking terrible. Um, and this was this this was ended up they ended up raising three point five thirteen point five million dollars <laughs> for this um from this thing, but this was like the first of its kind. This this was the the benefit concert that started all benefit concerts. Like Live Aid 
everything was was based around this one and the biggest difference between this and every other benefit concert was that this had zero publicity the most publicity it had was one little advertisement in the back of the new york times and that was it everything was was word of mouth and that was it and but yet it sold out within a day so they did two shows they did an afternoon show and an evening show and both sold out within a day with no with zero um advertisements the way so that's really cool what like like the way i i was understanding it is when you see a bill that has you know george harrison and clapton i mean i'm sure the concert posters because a lot of it's a george harrison and friends but there mm-hmm. were other ones that would would list clapton on there that would list bob dylan on there so you you're buying tickets to a, to what you think is a Harrison Clapton Dylan concert, and you think that's you know that's the bee's knees, and you get there, and then you're educated, and you leave kind of woke for this time, and yeah, and definitely, I, like that's cool, like that's that's something that that I don't, I don't know if it's ever happened like this on this scale. No, this is like the Woodstock of benefit concerts this was just such a diy thing even though it was put on by one of the biggest guys in music at the time but it was very diy they they just i don't know it was just it's it was so interesting and and you know hearing the backstory of like what happened with what actually happened with the money that was raised was really fucked up so i don't know it like did apparently like the 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 manager um what's his name alan keith he was the manager for the Beatles and he also managed George Harrison for a time. And it was during this time that he, he managed him. And what ended up happening was they, he didn't file the right paperwork with the U S government. So they oh, were, de- right. so they were denied tax exempt status. The IRS by the government. took their money. Exactly. It sat at, sat in escrow at the IRS for 10 years, <laughs> 10 fucking years. It sat there. And then in the end, only between the, Harrison said in the end between eight and ten million dollars were actually given, but this was ten years later. Like this is the money just fucking sat there and then come to find out a few million dollars were missing and the missing money actually ended up in Alan Key Alan or Alan Klein, his name was Alan Klein, the manager. And the that remaining money ended up in his account. So there was all these lawsuits, like why does he have the money? And then come to find out he embezzled a bunch of money from the Beatles and he fucked with the Beatles a bunch and Harrison so this guy was a really shady guy, super, super shady manager, screwed a lot of people out of money. And, uh, and yeah, I, th- I thought that was, I mean, it was terrible, but it was really interesting. And then hearing all the, like the little stories about like the big guys, like Robbie Shanker was the first one to play. And he was like kind of funny at the beginning. Cause like, I don't know, he, he just wanted the crowd to be very quiet. And so, so they, they were, he was tuning his sitar for like 10 seconds. And then after he finished, everybody started clapping. He was like, Oh, I'm glad you like the tuning, but I hope you like the actual song more. <laughs> and then you hear some people laughing, and then he goes into the song, and it was it was super rad. And then Bob Dylan, he almost pulled out. He almost pulled out at the last second because he was so nervous about going out in front of people because he hadn't toured. I think in like a year or two, if like I'm not mistaken. Five years. It was like a long ass. Was time. it five years? Yeah. So he hadn't played for years, and and so he he was he almost pulled out, and then Harrison ended up convincing him, saying. I'm in the same boat as you. I haven't played on stage in five in four or five years. Like I'm just as nervous as you, but we're doing this for like a special, a good cause. Like, so let's just buckle down and do it. And then in the end, Bob Dylan was so, so elated and happy after the first performance that he, he just, after the performance, like he came up and hugged Harrison and was just like so ecstatic. And then they ended up going back to like a hotel room 
rearranging some of the set list and then kind of doing some of that and like jamming inside the hotel room. And then they went and did the, uh, the <laughs> evening show. And apparently the evening show was just like the, the Dylan version was just like leaps and bounds over the, the afternoon version. Cause he wasn't nervous at all anymore. He was so excited. So I thought that was super rad. Dude, what a, but, what a fucking, what a cool, I don't even know, just to be like a, an observer, right. Just to see like Dylan and Harrison go back to the hotel room and, and not like get trash and party all night, but to rework some of the songs and oh. and and just be musicians and be like kids almost and and and, and rewrite yeah. some of their own songs and that's so awesome. It's super cool. And then also Eric Clapton was on the bill and uh, he he actually ended up playing. I mean, he played some some stuff outside of uh, the, my guitar gently weeps, which is obviously a Harrison song that the Beatles did. That's what he's like most famous for is that song and. Um, pretty much Clapton was up there just kind of noodling and playing along with him. And they kind of did this like dual guitar solo thing during that, like during like an extended bridge of that song. So that's super rad. And then reading about Clapton, like Harrison and like the record labels were really nervous about having him do it because he was so strung out on heroin that he could barely like function. He was so fucked up all the time. So when he actually got to New York, he, um, he didn't have heroin with him. So his girlfriend actually went out on the streets and was trying to find heroin but she was, she couldn't find any. So he was like going through active withdrawals at like right before the show. <laughs> and then one of the crew members like stepped up and he's like, I have some methadone. I mean, that'll like hold, like keep it at bay until, you know, after the show. So he gave Clapton some methadone and it worked for the show. It helped with the withdrawals during the show. But yeah, that's how strung out he was that he could barely perform because of the of heroin. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> Dude, crazy cool. to me. Clapton's one of those guys that just, I mean, I, I think we both are not like huge fans, but recognize the, the clout, but yeah, like, holy fuck, dude, that guy was so addicted to drugs. It's, it's insane that he survived. <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't understand. I feel, like, I feel like Clapton was, has, was always like, like reading stories about him. He was worse than Keith Richards when it came to the drug taking and, and all that stuff, but he didn't have the, he didn't have the bad boy image that Keith Richards had, but he was just as fucked up as him and he's still yeah. around. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, how, crazy these, how are they still around? That's like the big thing, you know? <laughs> I know. The whole dare program was, was initiated. Don't do drugs. You'll die. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Clapton and, and Clapton and Richards are in their eighties now, but still <laughs> kicking it. Um, and then the, the last, the last thing about this one, uh, you were talking about like them partying. So apparently after the evening show, they all went to like a local club. Like they, they, they rented out the club for the night. I forgot the name of the club somewhere in New York. And so they rented out, they all went there. They all got, they all started partying. And then everybody just had a giant jam session. Like not just the people that played the show, but other guests were just up there jamming. Phil Spector was there and he was, apparently he was so wasted and he was trying to play the piano and trying to jam along with him, but he was just (laughs) too drunk. And then, and then it said that, that it the party, the whole party ended at 4 a.m. because Keith Moon ended up smashing the drum set and smashing part of the stage. So that's <laughs> when they called in. They're like, okay, we're done at 4 a.m. Because <laughs> Keith Moon was like so out of control. Because he forgot it's, he's not playing a show with the Who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, so cool. I, yeah, just all the, reading all the stories of behind this entire show was so interesting. So I, I really went down that rabbit hole. But Dang, you, yeah, really like, so you I, would really like the booklet. Yeah. I know. I wish I had it. I, it sucks. But whatever. You know. You know. What I'm gonna do for you. I'm gonna pull the booklet out of the good copy, and <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it aside for you because you need the booklet. You just need the booklet. Okay. 
I'm, right, I'm I'll, just, I'll I'm, read it. I'll I'm read just it. too excited. And you need the booklet. It's a good booklet. Like the booklet? Definitely. Get the booklet. I'll read it. Get the booklet. Get the, the booklet. The booklet. The booklet. So, um, so, yeah, I got that one. And it was great. So, um, next one here, Dickie Betts. That oh, was like finally! The, last, like, <laughs> the, the concert for Blank, Bangladesh was like the last long one I wanted to talk about. So, uh, yeah, Dickie Betts. Listen to his debut so record, it. Highway Call. Or on the record, he's known as Richard Betts. And it uh, came out in 74. And it was good. Um, I'm going to need like one or two more listens to see if I really want to keep it. Whoa, bro. It was, it, was, it was very, very country. It was way more country than I thought. And I heard so much like modern pop country in it, which is cool because like he did it so long ago. But then it just kind of turned me off to the sound because I just I hate modern country so much. But it, I mean, you could hear a lot of his guitar, like his guitar tones. I mean, you hear in the Allman Brothers. And I know he's not like the main guitar guy or he was obviously he wasn't the original, but you know, you can hear a lot of that tone from Allman Brothers in this record. I thought it was, I thought it was good, but I'm going to need a couple more lessons before I decide if I want to purge it or keep it. Dude, I I think, I think that album is is just, it's so, I mean, it's not like a historic thing, but Dickie Mm -hmm. Betts is, he's just, he's overshadowed because of, of Dwayne Allman from the Allman Brothers, but he's just as good. He's just as yeah, good no, as, as as Dwayne was, and then like the Almond Brothers, arguably the, their biggest hit was written by Dickie Betts after Dwayne died, and so it's just it's cool to see him do his own thing and still be mm-hmm. just as fucking good. And like one of the songs is like fucking ten or fifteen minutes long. It was just <laughs> dude, yeah, some of it was really good. Oh, it's so good. It was. It really was. Um, and then so another one I got was while I was out in Arizona with you. As a CCR, Credence Clearwater Revival, uh, got Bayou Country, their second album, came out in 69, was the first of the, the first of three albums that year in 1969, which is absolutely insane to think about. But <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love this band? Who doesn't love this record? I mean, nothing more really needs to be said. It's such a, it's such a beyond classic record. So you, you really can't fuck with it. Do you, have, do, you, do you not have like their first like five? Uh I only have Bayou Country, Cosmo, and Pendulum, or uh, Green River and Pendulum. That's all I got. So I got four. So, so you have Bayou Country, Green River, Cosmo, and Pendulum. Cosmo, Pendulum, yeah. Because I don't really see the other ones. I mean, I I rarely see Bayou Country, okay, and especially for cheap. It's always like twenty up, twenty and up. I'm not gonna pay more than. I mean, fifteen for side side A on Bayou Country is fucking fantastic. It's only three oh, it's songs. Amazing. Much and very similar to like their self title, their first album, which was only three songs, right? It was Put a Spell on You and another song I forgot, and then Suzy Q. Like, you got to have that one. Yeah. What do I you, know. But I mean, what? I just, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it for cheap, so I'm not going to buy it for if it's like, I'm going to buy it for 20 bucks. Come on. I bought, Come um, on. I bought at, at the House of Use, they were doing the buy three, get one free. When we first started collecting, I bought Cosmo, Bayou Country. And then they're self-titled. They're all eleven ninety nine each. And then I bought something else for eleven ninety nine. I don't remember what it was. So it's essentially all they all came out to like eight bucks. And it's not bad at all. Never look back. <laughs> never look back. That's so good, dude. This band is so good. <laughs> um, keeping with the sixties, uh, the Surfaris. I uh, listened to two of their records. I listened to Wipeout and Surfer Joe. Came out in sixty three. I also listened to a live record. I don't really know anything about it because there's really nothing written about it. I think it's a bootleg. Um, is it a bootleg? I see. I don't even know. I, I think I just, it's a I bootleg. Don't know. 
Yeah, I really don't know. So there, there's like nothing on it. And um, but I mean, it's Safari's put out hundreds of records. They're very surf rock. The only thing that I feel like could have been taken out or turned down at least was the trumpet. There's just a little too much trumpet. They should have like put more guitar in. Like I, when I listen to surf rock, I want to hear more guitar-driven songs. But Safari's use a lot of a lot of brass, a lot more brass than I thought. It's it's the but sax it and it's it's a little bit Is loud. It the sax? Yeah. Okay. But dude, like well, wipeout, f- fuck man. Like arguably, I mean, besides like maybe uh, Miserlou, like wipeout, it could be like the best yeah. surf rock song of all time. And yeah. well, on, the, on the live record, they, they play they play Miserlou on the live record. I like I think like every surf band post Miserlou played Miserlou live. Like even the Beach Boys yeah. would do it and interpolate that that melody because that's a that's a perfect that's a perfect fucking song. Yeah, it's no, it is. It absolutely is. Are you gonna but keep? Yeah. Are you are you gonna keep the albums? The specifically yeah. the Wipeout album. Yeah, I'm gonna keep them. Yeah. I don't know how many more Safari stuff I'm ever gonna get. That's all you need. That's it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I really don't think I would get anything else. You're good, but <laughs> it's good. I'd, I'd get my fill after listening to this one. So, um, let's see here, getting a little bit more modern. Uh, Surf punks. The record My Beach. Came oh out my in god! I forgot you got that one too. Yeah, pick this one up from Aldo's when I was out there with you. So, <laughs> dude, it's, it's such a like so stupid. It's such a. It is so dumb, but it's so it's so punk of that that era. Like it's it's definitely transitioning out of the seventies classic punk and moving into like this new wave punk, which, you know, is, is kind of annoying, but they still had like enough, you know, fun and, and wildness to it. So I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, I heard, I heard a lot of vandals in this, like the, the satire was very vandals and, uh, it was fun. It was, it's, it's truly a fun record. Yeah. That's what makes Love this the band too. so rad is, is just, they're a fucking joke and they know they're a joke. Yeah, I, I think they were. Good. I think they were funded. Be, like one of the guys was like rich, or his dad was rich, or something, and just funneled money into the band just so they could like have a hobby. Like, I don't think they ever took themselves <laughs> like that seriously. I mean, you could tell. You could totally tell. But it it made for a fun record. I really enjoy it. So <laughs> definitely keeping that one. Um, and then the rest of the stuff here is Prague, and uh, so we got Rush. Rush Rush's album Fly By Night. Second record out in 75. This is the first one to feature uh, Neil Peart on drums and then writing lyrics. I mean, I, I this is one of my my favorite records from the band. And um, I mean, it's Rush. If you like Rush, you like Rush. There you go. Uh, another one, Rush. Got the album A Farewell to Kings. Got this one from you as well. This is part of a trade that we, we did when I was out there. Uh, this is their fifth record. Came out in 77. Uh, this one was a little bit different for them because they this is the first time that they didn't record in Toronto, Canada. They actually spent a month in solitude in the Welsh countryside, and they did everything out there. They they pretty much wrote, recorded, did everything out there, and it gave it a different like feeling and a different. And it was more like I felt like it was more prog based than their stuff prior, which was really really cool. It, it's a really good record, and uh, the last song Cygnus, or the full title is Cygnus X One Book One The Voyage. It's a 10-minute song, 10-minute uh, song it tells a story of a, of a, a space explorer uh, heading into a black hole to see what's on the other side, and then he, gets, he starts to freak out and, and second-guess himself, but he's, at that point, he's unable to control the ship, and he's sucked into it, and that's where the song ends. And then the beginning of their next record, Hemispheres, is the second part of the song, and it's like 18 minutes long, 
and it tells him of him going through the black hole and traveling through time back to like Olympus and him like fighting help fighting a battle between the gods or some something weird like that it was super it's a super crazy song but it's fucking good and the third part of that is um from francis um cygnus visman cygnus yes from mars volta correct but no but for reals this was the only this was the only rush album that i i i thought about keeping because i liked i liked this one a lot it was it's really really good but i'm glad you didn't keep it I didn't keep it because now I have it, so it's good. Uh, and then I got one more rush, and that's Moving Pictures, possibly or probably their their most popular record. Uh, it's their eighth record, came out in '81. It has Tom Sawyer, easily their biggest song. It has my favorite song on it, um, uh, YYZ. Did you that one for me too? Yeah, I got that one from you too. Damn, you just clean, yeah. clean not from the house, band YouTube, but from you. Um, yeah, I did. I did. I came out with a lot of good stuff i yeah, came back home with a lot anybody of good stuff. anybody listening knows that this that you you came over here you took advantage of me um oh, we were yes. we were probably yes. drinking and you took advantage oh, no, we of were me. definitely drinking we were definitely drinking and you took advantage of my generosity and i was left broken <laughs> i was left cold alone hurt but the that's only okay. stuff the only stuff that i felt kind of bad for taking was jedi mind tricks and that turnstile outside of that I know you didn't care too much, but yeah, I got I got those. You should feel you big. should feel bad about the about the turnstile because I I like the Jedi mind. I, I can I get that. I can't believe you traded that one. I couldn't believe you traded that one. That was a surprise for me. But I gave you I got I get I traded a lot of stuff too. So it wasn't just like I ripped you off. You I gave traded like, a lot of stuff. You gave me like four albums. That's fine. Yeah, and a bass amp. Oh, yeah. on top of it, a bass amp that was broken doesn't even work. On, bro. Shut the fuck out of here. Of course it works. Shut the fuck out of here. Just shut the fuck out. You better shut the fuck out of here right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I got only got I got four left, including the, my pick. Uh, I got two Pink Floyd records uh, from you. One was uh, Umaguma. The fourth record came out oh, in 69. Yeah. It's, um, it's not their best record. It's it's definitely on the towards the bottom, maybe like second worst. That's but crazy. it's still really good. It's still really good, uh, and Sid Barrett's on some of it, which is kind of cool too, because he did so little with the band. And then The Wall picked that one up. Uh, their eleventh record came out in '79, and uh, yeah, I mean The Wall is—I haven't listened to it in a long, long time, and it was really good. I mean, it was—I've always been critical of it because it's so long, and because you know it's the one everyone talks about. This and Dark Side. And wish you were here. Those are the three that everyone talks about. But damn, dude, the wall is good. It is really, really good. So I okay. It's not. It's definitely not their best, okay. but it is very good. Above middle, above middle of the table for them. And I would have never said that before. So All good right. stuff. All right. Uh, this one, I feel bad because you don't have anything by them yet, but. Yeah, it's Magma. I picked up one of their other records. I picked up a thousand, a thousand and one centigrades. <laughs> this one, uh, it's their second record. Came out in seventy one, and it was originally just called Magma Two, but then they renamed it in seventy three, or the record label renamed it and changed the, the cover art, which was really stupid. <laughs> but but yeah, so I, I got this one and I uh, got this one from Glasshouse, pretty damn cheap for a brand new sealed copy, 
and uh, I love Magma. Magma's good. There's only three songs. One song is like 23 or 21 minutes on the first side. The other songs are like eight and 13 minutes on side B. And yeah, it's all, it's all, all the lyrics are in their own made up language that they created, which is really cool. And dude, this band is fucking good. They're killer. All I know is I, I swear to God, I swear to fucking any deity. If you post another fucking magma without getting me a magma first, (laughs) I'm done. I'm done buying anything from you for you. But the thing is, the thing is like, if I saw another one of these, of course I'd pick it up for you. But I mean, if I see a magma record and I don't have it, I mean, All I know is that I, we created this dock of like records that we want, and from day one, Magma <laughs> has been on there. And the only band on my dock that I don't care what I what you buy from them is just Magma. It's just anything. And Tyler keeps yeah. picking up all these Magmas, and not even well, not even a thought. At least he feels bad, though. I do feel bad, but also this is only the second time I've picked up a Magma record. So I mean, they have like. 18 records I'm just saying been able to one more time you fucking one more time I swear if you're like hey just pick this up one more time that's it done uh, can't do it we'll see we'll can't see can't stand but, you dude magma goes so fast this is bad. like any any time I mean, I've like I said I've only seen it in the wild twice at the glass house and then the other time I went to go get magma from glass house it was gone within minutes so that's how quickly these this band gets picked up so you guys just got to be on it. So, They're, yeah, it's one of those bands that that like unless you know, you don't know. Like, like, yeah. I mean, unless you know who Magma is, what they sound like, what they've done, you'd pass over fifteen albums by them and not even like glance at it. Whereas exactly. someone else, like, holy shit, like you have fucking fifteen albums by Magma, I'm gonna buy them all. I mean, I I would buy a good chunk of fifteen <laughs> records, yeah. I mean, I, then you would buy just... the rest for me, hopefully. <laughs> You know it's funny like they're not they're not like expensive records on Discogs or anything. But then there's like no fun in buying off Discogs yeah, like I, that. It's more just like They're refuse. one of those bands where they're just like they're one of those bands where like they, you I only want to buy them in the wild. Like I can go onto Discogs and buy like all of the Martin Denny records, but that's not fun for me. Oh, yeah. I like going to all those and and buying eight Martin Denny records. Yeah. Cuz it's just more the hunt is more fun for these records. That's that's the point. So. And then the, the, can and then like you don't there's no like human interaction when you buy from Discogs either. So like for, yeah. for whatever it's worth buying those Martin Denny's and getting made fun of, that's still more fun than just <laughs> clicking a button and having them delivered to your house. Not only am I made fun of by you, but I'm made fun of by the record store owner. <laughs> like he, he, and he's a dorky guy. I know. And he made fun of me for, Mar- <laughs> for getting, buying all those Martin Denny's. Oh God, that was embarrassing, but still good. And then this last thing here is from a band called Flock. Uh, and I had never heard of them. I took a chance with it. They were in like the prog section uh, at the glass house and it was cheap. I think it was like $5 or $3. I don't remember now. And um, yeah, and I took, took the gamble and it was, it was good. It's not like the greatest prog record ever made, but for the price, it's good. And, and I'll go back to it. Um, the, the album is called Inside Out. It's their third record. And from what I gather, it was their last one they did. They were a very short-lived band. They didn't do a lot. Um, they were they were a band that were try they were competing with bands like Chicago, and like Mahavishnu and a couple other bands of that time and era, and they just kind of like they just weren't as good as as some of the prog bands. But then they weren't as catchy as like Chicago was, so they they just kind of fell by the wayside, which is unfortunate because there are some good stuff. And then eventually the violinist of this band 
uh, after the band split or he quit the band, uh, he went and joined, joined Mahavishnu for the Birds of Prey record. So that's kind of a interesting little tidbit, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good record. Um, and the first song when I listened to it, I hated it. I thought, Oh my God, dude, this, I wasted my money. This sucks. <laughs> it was just like my money. <laughs> it was just like, it was just like bad Chicago rock, bad Chicago band rock. Ugh. I just, I just did not like it. And then the second song came on and it was kind of the same thing, but then halfway through it changed. The vocal stopped. It started to get a little more proggy. Then the third song came on. It was just like, then it, then it started to change and it became way more instrumental and a way more, way more intricate. And I really started to dig it. But that first song, terrible. I don't even remember the name of it. Wow. It's terrible. Yeah, it was really bad. But um, so yeah, the song uh, that I chose is the song Back to You. Like I said, it, Oh no! This is the second. This is the second song. I'm sorry. So the parts of the song are kind of bad, but then it really makes up for it, and it's a long <laughs> song. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm all over the place. It's a all long over the place. Song. It's been a long day. So here's a here's back to you from the band Flock. Oh, and I'm starting at like 48 seconds. it is back to you from the band flock and uh yeah i mean it this song just gets progressively better and better there's a really cool drum solo in it some really great jump drum parts synth parts it's it's solid i I think it's a really good song overall and album overall it's good the album album cover is rad too that's why i got it was the album cover how much did you pay for this Three or five, I don't remember now. I told I, I would like if I saw this now that I know what it is, I would definitely pick it up for like three or five bucks. If if it yeah, was five it, for you, it'd be totally three for it. me. 
Did so? Did you only listen to this song? Yeah. Okay. You. I think if you like this song, you'll like the rest of the record because it, it keeps up with the the proggy, weird kind of Mahavishnu style. It's really good. Be, before good. before I read about the, like did any research on the band too. I, I thought that it sounded so familiar. Like something about this band reminded me of something else. And two things, like Blood, Sweat, and Tears from the Chicago area reminds me of this band. Not nearly this complex or this technical, but kind of the vibe. Yeah. And then also for sure the Mahivishnu Orchestra. And yeah. then it makes sense after looking them up. Yeah, they were they were that blend of those two bands and that's what they try to market was was that they, they were the combo of that they weren't as crazy and wild or intricate as Mahavishnu but they weren't as poppy as Chicago but it just it didn't it didn't click with a lot of people so they never really went anywhere but well I mean you good. can't competing with Chicago's almost a losing battle anyway <laughs> yeah I know even though they suck like yeah, they, they sold so many records oh it's a shame it's a shame but yeah, so that was my pick, Flock and the album Inside Out. Pick pick it up if if it's cheap. Pick it up. Anybody else? Pick, there, it, up, just, pick it up. Just do it. Pick it up. And um, so yeah, that, I'm I'm good with my vinyls and my uh, song of the week. So do you want to play any of these songs? These new new songs? Oh, oh. Well, let me see. Hold on. Okay, let's see. Hold on. Because I don't really want to play any of them, Hold but on. if you want to, we can. We can play them, even though you just listened to them right before we potted. I know because I saw you in the notes. Okay, so yeah, some new albums that came out this week, or just one really that matters, was Dropkick Murphys. Their their new record, Turn Up the Dial, actually came out two weeks ago, but totally forgot about it, totally blanked on it. And uh, listen to it today. I thought it was really good. It was a really good Dropkick album. I think it was last album. week. Because I think it was came, April 30th. It came out after um, The New Offspring. And I think I the day we potted, no. it just so, it, it, maybe it did come out technically two weeks ago, but it was only one pot ago. Was it? Maybe. Maybe. Because the day the new offspring came out, the Dropkick Murphys were coming out like four days later, but then we had a pod the day before, something like that. But so it wasn't, we're not, we didn't drop the ball that hard. No, okay. not, it wasn't. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. We're not that overdue on it. But yes. what'd you think of it? I liked it. I'm probably, hopefully I'll make some money this Saturday and I'm going to pick this up. <laughs> okay, good. I, I I'm sure it. you can get it for like 20 bucks. Yeah. I'm I, sure it's twenty bucks on fat or whatever label they're on. Dude, I, 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 I'm sure Grace will probably have it too. But I really, yeah. I mean, the Dropkicks do the Celtic punk extremely well, but they also like tone it down and, and do the the traditional, the more traditional folk stuff really damn well. And mm-hmm. ever since like their first two Do or Die in, in the Gangs all here, ever since those. Their more traditional stuff has been just like the bee's knees, dude. It's just been so good. And this is this is another example of, of them. I mean, there are some faster songs on here, but the good stuff is is a slowed down stuff. Yeah, it, it's a good blend. It's definitely a good blend of everything. I really dug it. I, would, I don't think I'd buy it, but I, I dug it. I would buy this, and then if I even, because I'm, you know, I'm getting crazy. If I saw their last album, the 11, uh, 9 or 11, short stories of pain and glory yeah i thought you had it already no i was no 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 i could have sworn you did that was before we started collecting and then yeah i just i only have two dropkick albums all right so yeah it's a good record go listen to it and uh some new songs that came out this week actually came out this week uh clowns this australian band that i've been following for for a few years heard of them through uh, ricky frankel actually um 
they put out a new song called Does It Matter coming off their upcoming new record. It sounds very different from everything they've ever done. It's way more pop and pop punk based. I, I, if you played this song for me, I would have never known it was Clowns. Never. But it's it's a good song. Just never would have thought it was Clowns. It's so out of left field for them. I thought but it was... It, right? Dude, I love this. But I thought this was fucking Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids. When this was playing, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Did, like, Matt, is, is Matt Pryor have anything to do with this band? So I'm like Googling Matt Pryor, Clowns, new song. Nothing comes up. But damn, dude, the vocals... That that sort of like emo <laughs> pop punky raspiness, that's yeah, it's very that's much Matt that. that's Matt Pryor man. But I love this maybe because it reminded me of the Get Up Kids and Matt Pryor. But dude, I, I love this song. This song was so good. It's good. It is. It is good. Just like I said, wildly different from everything I've heard them do. And I don't and even the, remember the what they player. sound like as opposed to what this sounds like. They're they're more of like a hardcore punk, like post hardcore band. Oh, that's weird. And they're more they they're usually more aggressive. They're usually much more aggressive actually. And so th- that's why this one just totally threw me off. And I know the bass player she she does a lot of like acoustic based music outside of clowns and she has some lead vocals on this song which is kind of new for them, but it was it was still good. It was still good. I enjoyed it. Um Mastodon came out with a new song called Forged Neuron. I don't know if they're coming out with a new album, but I would assume they are. Um I mean it's it's it, to me, it's a good Mastodon. I like Mastodon. They come out with good stuff. I mean, it's not usually like the most hooky like stuff right away. Like you kind of have to sit with it for a while, listen to their music a, f- a couple times before you start to really get into it. And I feel like that's how this song is. But what do you think of it? I really have nothing against this. I don't think this is bad. Um, I don't think it's good, but I don't think I'm giving it fair shake. So I, I think that's on me. And I don't. Like like on its own, I think this song was good, but this is not. This doesn't want made me want to go out and listen to a bunch of Mastodon, but yeah. I, but again, I don't I don't think that's fair to the music or the genre to just base it off one song. Yeah, they're they're a band that you have to listen to their records in their entirety. They're not like this a traditional prog kind of band. They're more metal and I don't know. They're they're a very unique band where every band member sings, so they you kind of get all these different kind of you know, stylings because of all their different vocal characteristics. So they're very interesting band, but taking a song out of context is, is kind of difficult to do because they're, they're meant to be played as a whole. Really. That's how I feel about the band at least, but it's good. And they're, everything's like concept based with this band too, lyrically, musically. So it's, you gotta, you know? Yeah. Uh, the next one here, rise against (laughs) the song is called the numbers. Dude, it's so fucking copy paste. Let's uh, let's be boring. Fucking rise against. Dude, I just don't paste. understand. Let's copy and paste the last like hundred songs we've done, except I for State of the Union, because that song's really good. I understand why you think the Foo Fighters are so good, but they're not just. A I boring think they're better than Rise, rise Against. against. It's just, it just it boggles my mind. Because you're right. This is this does this does sound like a lot of the stuff Rise Against puts out. But, dude, like the Foo Fighters, come on! Are you like, fucking I, I, kidding I, me? I predicted before before <laughs> I even played this song. Before I played the song, I, I was think I was thinking in my I was thinking in my mind <laughs> that um, I was thinking I, I was predicting what the song was going to be like. I, I in my mind I was I was saying that it's going to start out kind of slow, kind of like weird, and then it's going to have a complete tempo change, get really fast, have just like a, a 
kind of boring verse, then go into this like kind of catchy chorus, but his vocals are so annoying that it really throws you off. Another verse, another chorus, and then it's going to go into a very slow bridge, barely build up, be super boring, then go into a couple more choruses. Sure enough, hit it nail on the head right there. Wait, are we talking I mean, about Rise Against or the Foo Fighters? I've Rise Against. Lost. I mean, oh, okay. Rise Against. Like this, it's just, it's so typical copy paste for this fucking band. Oi. Oh, yeah. At least with Foo Fighters, like their drummer's really good. Dave Grohl is an actually good singer. So, I mean, just Rise Against suck, man. They suck. This song, I mean, this song sucks. I, I, I do think Rise Against are overrated, but, like, dude, I think Foo, Foo Fighters are, are arguably like the most overrated alt rock band that's ever been. I'd, they, I'd, rather, they're, no, they're, I'd, I'd rather like dive into like Savage Garden or Bush than listen to, to anything the Foo Fighters have done. Ooh, let's do it. Ugh. Let's do it. Let's do a double whammy: Savage Garden, then Bush the next week. Oh no, a triple whammy, and then the third week we'll do Foo Fighters. Oh, miserable my. for you. No, that'd be it. This pot would die if that <laughs> happened. I just, I can I don't know if I can last. Or no, we could do this. We we could start. We could start with Savage Garden, do Bush the next week, then Foo Fighters, and then Ghost. Month of misery for you, and then Serenity of Suffering after that. <laughs> yeah, just do it again for. Then, no, that that reason. that four weeks would be a Serenity of Suffering. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> not really. Okay, uh, two more songs. Violent Femmes put out a new one. I think it's a new one, or it's like a B side from the '80s or early '90s. It's called Waiting for the Bus. It's not a new song. Do you, it's not a new song, okay? No, nah, I wasn't this, sure. This comp is a reissue from from the nineties. Oh, okay, so it's yeah. nothing new because it, it sounded old, but I wasn't sure if it was like a B side from something from back then. I mean, I haven't I haven't heard this song in a long time, and mm-hmm. now that I hear it, like with with better ears on, because I put my better ears on, there's yeah. a th- there's a lot of like not rivers <laughs> rivers like B sides from the blue and Pinkerton days, like a, a lot of river, what, what rivers was doing on his, on the B side stuff that from the blue and the Pinkerton era, I hear a lot of that in this. Like he took a lot from the violent femmes, their acoustic style stuff. Mm-hmm. I can, I could totally hear that. It, the vocal stylings really, that's what I hear a lot of rivers in, or I hear rivers on a lot of, a lot of his vocal stylings on this. Song. Yeah. Good. It was good though. It was really good. So I guess we can move on from that since it's not really a new song. Uh, this last thing here, it this band Pussy Riot. They're like this Russian band that are only really known because they got arrested and then they disappeared in Russia <laughs> because they were controversial. So like the Russian government sent them Locked to jail. Them up. It was it was really controversial a few years ago, and then you know all these artists came out. And, you know. And people came out protesting it. Well, they went on like so they, hunger strike and shit too. Yeah, and, like, fucking didn't eat for almost a week. I mean, it, it was it, it was really terrible what happened. And but it was. I mean, I just never. I've never listened to them. Never ever listened to their music. So then when I saw on Spotify they did they put out a new song with Tom Morello, I thought, okay, you know, I'll finally give them a chance. And dude, their music is not good. I don't. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. And this song was terrible. It was just like a. Um, it was like if you put if you put like into like a, a bot online, like, like, like give me a, a rage against a machine riff, like into some bot. Yes. And this is what it would spit out Yep. because it is just, yeah, you can, you could tell it's Tom Morello, but it is like, just because it sounds like B side of a B side. Yeah. It's like a B side of a B side riff of his. Yeah. It's so amateur or it sounds like somebody like you go on YouTube and, and say, you know, this is like a rage against machine inspired song or riff or whatever. This is what you would get. It is so bootleg. Yeah. 
and the, and just the song itself was just terrible. It just it was just it, not good, and it just didn't make any sense. I, I just don't understand no. like why. I mean, I understand like why Tom Morello is hooking up with Pussy Riot for you know political reasons, but musically yeah. and tonally, I, it just didn't fit well. It didn't mesh. Nothing, nothing made sense. Yeah, exactly. So whatever, it's, it's just not good. I'm I'm, I'm not going to dive deeper into Pussy Riot because I just don't I don't care about their music. <laughs> yeah, I I don't care either, especially if it sounds like this. And they're, they're one of those bands too that they're 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 more known for this what they've done outside of music than what they've done in or for music because i mean honestly you ask anybody in the music industry they will say say i've never i've never heard a pussy riot song i know of them but i've never heard their fucking songs yeah they're just not good not good um so yeah that's it for new music uh just real quick uh against me they are working on a new record they're going to start recording a new record within the next few weeks I think that's what Laura Jane Gray said uh, on her Twitter. So, Who's excited? Uh, you are. I'm pretty and excited. And some other people. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. I mean, I'll listen to it, but I mean, I can't guarantee I'll like it. I guarantee you won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more likely than not, I won't like it unless it sounds like New Wave, like a better oh New Wave album. God, it still irritates me. <laughs> that was a, that was a a good Fucking record. So dumb. That was a good record. You're such a wiener. <laughs> okay so and then now the last thing here i got a present from uh from, angels and airways from tom delong he sent it to you from tom delong well the record label sent it to me but i like to think it was from tom delong it was from tom. um so i i came home a couple a few days ago and there was a package on my doorstep and i was like what, why is it in a why why do i have a silver package like normally things come in manila envelopes or they come in like boxes. So I'm like, this is fucking weird. So I pick it up, see who, whose name is on it. It was mine. And I'm like, who the fuck is sending me this like heavy thing? And I couldn't figure it out. I was like touching it. I couldn't figure it out. And I just, I was so confused. I saw rise records and I was like, I was thinking who the fuck, like why is rise sending me something? I haven't bought anything, anything from that site in a long time. And I'm, there's nothing back ordered for me. Like I was just trying to figure out what was going on. And then I, even the tape says like, it's like extra adhesive tape. So like I was even having a hard time getting the tape off, even with like scissors. <laughs> so then I finally ripped it. I got it open, and then it, there's this like little envelope in it with a paper inside. So I pulled out, and on the envelope it says AVA on it, stamped on it. Took the paper out, and it's like it says Project Dreamland, and then there's just like this, just like a, a few paragraphs, and a, most of it's redact, like blacked out, redacted. With and then there's just a bunch of coordinates on it, and then it came with a little tape deck, with a cassette tape in it, headphones, and then a piece of. Uh, scotch tape not scotch tape but masking tape on the tape deck this is confidential on it and then so i played it it's like 30 seconds of like these guy or like i guess people flying jets and they're like just saying a bunch of coordinates and then they're like don't don't engage with the this other aircraft and then eventually like five seconds of a new angels and airwaves song plays and i was just so confused like why the fuck did i get this and then i realized like a month and a half two months ago i had signed up for a mailing list thinking it was just a mailing list that I was going to get like exclusive merch or something on or like t early ticket sales, not thinking anything of it. And then sure enough, this is what it was. It was for this exclusive thing. And then I read more on it. Only like the first 50 people who signed up or a hundred people who signed up got it. And I was one of those first 50 or a hundred people. Dang. So, yeah. So I, I signed up like right away, like right, right before it like got overflowed. So I'm hoping for like some other cool stuff, but we'll see. How fucking, how like 
90s. Like, how weird to send some stupid so shit cool. out like that in the mail. <laughs> I know. And it was, like, overnighted. Like, it even had, like, overnight express on it. Also, like, it was it was are, cool. Are they... Are these signed to rise? I, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah they they're are. signed to rise. Yeah, they're they're new records coming out on rise. Oh, yeah. So that's which is good because they're I think they're a really good record label and they do a lot of cool stuff vinyl wise, merch wise. So I, I like that that label. Yeah, every everything that we bought um, throughout Black Friday sales and stuff, everything sounds fucking fantastic and looks great. Yeah. It does, yeah. All all that bleeding through stuff I got. You got the at the driving stuff, bouncing soul stuff, bleeding through yeah, also. No, yeah. Well, yeah, I said bleeding through, didn't I? Yeah, I thought that's yeah, fine. Well, anyway, yeah. So it's really cool, great label, and then it was just like such a cool way to promote a new record. Like it's just so unique in itself, and it's so in theme with the band, and just seems so in theme with what they're doing on this new record. I just think it's so cool. And it's, even Ryan had a hard time making fun of me about it. Like he really wanted to make fun of me, fun of me. And then I, and then he was kind of busting my balls about, about it. And I said, what if Kojima did something like this? You would love it. And he's like, Oh yeah, it'd be like the coolest thing in the world. And then even he admitted, he's like, yeah, this is actually really cool. I don't like Tom DeLonge, but this is actually really cool. Cause it's, 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 it's a lost art. It's, it's with technology. It's gone. Like this, this type of, this type of like exclusive interaction with fans is completely lost. Yeah. Exactly. It's super cool. It's super, super cool. So, um, yeah. And then their new one, they're releasing a new song called euphoria this Wednesday. So just two days from now, and I'm totally stoked about it. (laughs) And then I assume after that, they're going to release the, the release date for the new album, which I think is going to be in October. Cause that's like one of the, uh, that's one of the dates on the paper. It's like October 23rd or something like that. So I think that'll probably be when the new record comes out. And yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited for that. New Tom DeLong. It's been a long time coming. Been a long time cousin, <laughs> as Hella would say. Um, so you got anything else? No, that's uh, that's it. That's all, Jerry. Yeah, that was very, very long-winded by me, but I don't know. I guess that happens. It happens. Yeah, it happens more often than not, unfortunately. Mm. Dude, I can't. I'm trying to like stall and get that shit. Stre- are you stretching? Dude, What's I'm going on? stretching, yeah. So, Stretch. <laughs> really stretching that so go to itunes go rate review and subscribe to us on there follow us on social media at ask night radio listen to listen to the main episode because we are getting into black flags album damaged and we're ranking all of their records and possibly their possibly their eps so go listen so that's it that's all